Spring is in full swing, and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool, or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33. Beach. Thanks to the Boardwalk Plaza for being the Bridge Podcast Network sponsor. Hey, this is Denise Harper, and my conversation with Rebecca is vulnerable and contains content that is not suitable for children. Please continue when you can listen on your own or in appropriate company. Some of my favorite conversations have happened over the rims of mugs. I'm Denise Harper, co-host of The Morning Show with Bill and Denise, and program director for The Bridge. There's something special about sitting across the table from a friend, whether we've known them forever or for just a minute, with a good cup of coffee and an open heart. And hopefully, today's conversation will inspire and encourage you. I love having the ear of my girlfriends that we can just chat about things, what's on our heart. And today I have Rebecca Jones in the studio with me. And Rebecca, I've known you for a number of years. We've had the opportunity to work together on several occasions and just kind of find out that there are things that we have in common, that we we love Jesus and that he's done miraculous things in both of our lives. Oh, exactly. I learned a little bit more about your story recently, and I I asked you if you would come and share your story, because one, I believe we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Exactly. And that is in Revelation, and it is promised straight from God. We wear down the devil's handiwork when we speak of what God has accomplished in our lives. And so I wanted to give you an opportunity to share what you have on your heart today. And so would you tell us, first of all, um, tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? Tell us about your family. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, but my husband moved me here via New York and then to um, Seaford, Delaware area. Okay. So um, I live with my, well, my daughter moved out, so I have three sons still at home, mm-hmm. six cats, <laughs> and my son just recently brought in a crazy dog. So it's, a, it's quite the menagerie. You have a busy life, don't you, day to day? Yeah, it's pretty busy. It can be busy. And I've done homeschooling, and I do some freelance writing and things like that. And yeah, and I'm involved in um, 40 Days for Life, which just started. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. It's a national, actually, it's international, okay. where um, people who are pro-life and they just want abortion to end, mm-hmm. they pray for 40 days for life. There's two different campaigns. There's one in the spring and there's one in the fall. So it's been quite the journey, been quite the journey from not being able to speak anything about mm-hmm. it by hiding things, feeling like a fraud, to mm-hmm. saying, okay, this happened. But the Lord saved me, and the Lord has freed me, and I can speak about what it had done in my life before the Lord took those shackles off of me mm-hmm. and set me free. Amen. You know. I would love for you to share your story, Rebecca, if you would. Every flower has a seed, as does every weed. Yeah, There's a seed that starts whatever it is that's been implanted in you. And I remember being a little girl, about three or four, and bright sunny day 
the sun was coming through the window in my kitchen at my house growing up and I was looking at my mother and I thought she was the most beautiful person in the world and I thought if I just grin my greatest grin she'll know Mm. she'll know how beautiful I think she is I was one of those people if I shine somebody's apple Mm. you know so shiny they'll know I love them I if I wave my hand they'll know I love them you know it was like if I do this Mm -hmm. so I thought I'll give her my biggest grin and I grinned my widest grin at my mom and she looked at me and she said oh you poor thing you look just like your ugly mother Mm. I don't know how you ever got to be I was on the pill when I conceived you. One, on that day, I thought my mother was beautiful, but she informed me. She was the adult. She knew better. She knew better than me. I was a kid. One, she informed me I was ugly. Number two, more importantly, I had no idea what a pill even was. Mm. But all I knew was that it meant that I wasn't supposed to be here because she said, I don't know how you ever got to be here. Whatever that pill was, was supposed to make it where I wasn't supposed to be. Mm. And in that moment, I thought that I was nothing but a great big cosmic accident. And in my hometown, (laughs) my grandmother, one of my grandmothers, the other one was like, she prayed with Billy Sunday. And on the (laughs) other one, (laughs) uh, the other one, however, she was the town adulteress. And she bore five sons of the apocalypse, basically. <laughs> That's the only oh, way wow. I can say, you know, because they were kind of like her. But it seemed like my dad seemed to be the best of them. But he had issues because of all he had to endure growing up. Painful experience sometimes. A, a child of pain well, then, therefore, wrought out pain himself, you mm-hmm. know. So it was a different journey. And so our name wasn't all that good in my hometown, and so my mother decided the way to rectify that issue was to cause us to be perfect. Mm. I was supposed to bring home nothing but A's. A B would get me in trouble. Don't even talk about a C. Mm. I would not have been able to show up with a C. If we went to church, we better have, we were doing homework almost every day of the week. We had homework that we had, we had to be the best in that. And if we had anything brought home from us from church, you better have all those Bible verses memorized and you have better have all that homework done that they send you because mm. you're going to be the best. So that perfectionist issue mm-hmm. was going on. Yeah. You better be perfect. You better walk the line. And one side of my head, I'm going, wait a minute, I'm, you know, I'm called names because of my family and I'm supposed to be this way. And it felt like I was teeter-tottering a lot. Sure. So you were not allowed to make mistakes. But unfortunately, I was looking for love because I didn't really think I had it. Because remember, I was that cosmic accident. So I was just trying to figure out what is love? Where is it at? I ended up writing to this guy. I got into music, totally into music. The Beatles were my band. That was it. They were (laughs) it. That was it. And I thought to listen to anything else was going to be cheating on them. So they were my band. I was about 14. I started to get a pen pal. One of them was from London, and the other was from Liverpool. Wow. Uh, yeah. Liverpool and the Beatles. That's right. <laughs> hey, it's so cute. And I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, I started writing to him. Mm-hmm. And I would tell him all that I was feeling. And I was never told I was beautiful because my mom said I was ugly. Mm-hmm. I was told by one of my father's girlfriends that I was beautiful. And David told me I was beautiful. And I ended up falling in love with this person 
that I didn't see only through photos. Mm-hmm. His photos were cute too. So hey, he's cute. He was from Liverpool. Hey, another country. Yeah. And he gave me the affirmation that, that you were so starved for. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't read my Bible a lot. You know, it, it was words that were written how many years ago, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of the things I started doing, it was kind of going, oh, well, God understands. It's the 80s. We've had people on the moon, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you make those excuses for yourself, yeah. not realizing that it says God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So you make concessions. Well, see, God surely understands this. God surely understands that. I still believe there was a God, but I thought, well, he'll let me get away with this. He'll let me get away with that. And um, eventually David came to meet me. And then we decided, ooh, I'm going to move over there and I'll get married to him and everything will be great. And part of the thing is of God being the same yesterday, today and tomorrow is he basically says, when you're married, that's when things are supposed to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I went over there and uh, things happened. You didn't wait for marriage. No, I didn't. We found out we were expecting. We went into the fish and chippy place and he started yelling to my stomach area. Hello, this is daddy. He said, she's having my baby. Isn't this wonderful? And he was all ecstatic and happy. And I said, stop doing that. You know, we're in the store. We're in the the fish and chip place. Come on. And he goes, no, I'm happy. I'm going to be a dad. And so I was happy because I thought, wow, he's okay with this. And then his mother called and said, I need to speak to David alone. And when he came back, he was convinced that we needed to change up the plan, that the baby should not be. And I did everything I could. I was in a foreign country. I didn't have any extra money. I used my money to go over there because... I was going to get married. I was going to get a job over there. I was mm-hmm. planning all these wonderful plans. Yeah. And his mother paid for everything. And I was fighting it. And I even tried hiding in this area where there were these bog. It was a bog area. Mm-hmm. And he was a policeman. And he said, if you do that one more time, I'll take you and have you committed. I was just trying to save this child. Mm-hmm. I was doing everything I could to save it. I called up my mom. I said, if I need a way home, I didn't even get to finish the whole sentence I got. I knew it was going to split up between you two. I knew it. Well, if you're going to want, if you want to come home so bad, you're going to have to find your own way. I was trying every avenue that I could possibly think of. I made plans. I thought, well, I can go to a friend's house the night before it all happened. But he took me to his mother and father's house and his father was an insomniac. So he kept a watch on me all night long. Mm. And early in the morning, we went to Penny Lane, the place of all, you know, my song. Penny Lane Mm -hmm. was where the abortion clinic was. It's where the facility was. So I don't view that song the same anymore. Absolutely. I thought I have one more shot. The only merciful thing in England is, is that they will they will put you to sleep while they're performing the abortion. Otherwise, over here, it's my understanding that you can hear the sound of the suction. If that would have happened, forget it, game over for me. It was almost game over for me because when I woke up, it was like a part of my soul was gone Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get it back. And I thought that I committed the unpardonable sin. So I thought I was just bound for hell Mm. because I took life And it was from my womb and I allowed it. But I asked the woman before she knocked me out, I said, please, 
I don't want this done. My understanding is here, if you if you have last minute, they can actually, they'll try to talk you into, into proceeding through with the abortion. My understanding is here, if you are even on the table and you say, look, I really, I've changed my mind. They have to say, well, okay, but mm-hmm. over there, she said, it's too late for that now, isn't it? And I was knocked out. I went to sleep as a person who had a child in her womb with promise for that child, with thoughts of dreams for that child and woke up with a piece of my soul gone. And I awakened because it was more than just me. It was a ton of, there was like so many other girls that were in that same room. And it was like an ocean of mournful cries. I've never heard anything like that in my life. And I never want to hear anything like it again. Mm. If probably if you would imagine possibly what maybe hell would sound like, that could be it where it's the mournful, where it's miserable, filled with regret, filled with sorrow, filled with the horror of this is what just happened. And in my horror, one of those groaning voices was mine. That's what I awakened to. And then afterwards, I went to, I would fill up the bathtub with hot, hot water, as hot as I could make it. And it was like I was trying to, just wash away what I had done. And I'd just stay in the bathtub. The water would get freezing cold. It would just get cold and I just stayed in there. And then he says, you're not the same, you've changed. And I'm like, really, really? He got me a cat to make up for it. And I love cats, I love cats. I have six of them, I just told you I have six of them. But at that point in time, I wanted nothing to do with the cat. I just wanted my child. It was his mother who paid for it. And then when his when he said, you're, you're not the same, then he split up with me within a month and she paid for my way back over to the United oh. States. And I asked her, I said, if this was already going to happen, if he would have split up with me anyway, why couldn't you have allowed me to have my child? What did she say? Nothing. She says, well, it's done now, isn't it? You can call me Auntie Pam. <laughs> I didn't want to call her auntie or anything. Yeah. I hated myself. I hated everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was on a downward spiral. I really thought that I'd committed the unpardonable sin and there was no way. But before I even went over, I mean, before I came back over to the United States, I was miserable. I thought there was no way that God could ever forgive me, ever. And I made up my mind since I had already done this, since I was already unforgiven, I might as well just leave this world. And uh, I walked to a bridge and I was going to jump from it. I was standing right on, I was standing right on it. I got up, I climbed up onto the bridge. bridge. Mm -hmm. I climbed up onto the bridge on the railing of the bridge. And I was looking down and I was going to leap. And we talked about God's timing. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you how perfect his timing is. He allowed a litter bug to throw away something into the water. I had my foot out ready to leap and a piece of garbage a piece of garbage was floating by right when I was about to leap. And I could see it from the corner of my foot. Mm-hmm. And it was like all of heaven screamed at me. You are not a piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. And I started crying because I didn't know what to do with that. I'm not a piece of garbage. Do I want to be in there with that piece of garbage? But, you know, mm-hmm. and so I was wrestling really big in my head. Yeah. Do I stay? Do I go? What? But that screaming in my head of you are not 
a piece of garbage. And I know that had to have been God himself or angels, yeah. somebody saying that to me. I started to get down and some guy came up, blonde hair, gorgeous. I mean, he, he just, he didn't look, you know, he just, he didn't look like a regular. He said, Oi, you, are you all right? And I said, what? And he goes, do you need me to take you somewhere, my love? Mm. You okay? I went, yeah, yeah, I'm okay now. I'll be okay. And I went to turn around and thank him and he was gone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is the crazy thing. He was yes. gone. So I'm gone. <laughs> okay. After I said, thank you so much. And, you know, thank you for caring. Mm-hmm. But even when I got over to the United States, even though I had that episode, I still was not forgiving myself. Yeah. I still hated me. Mm-hmm. I ended up going out with this guy. Not all that long afterwards. I ended up marrying mm-hmm. him. Abuse started happening. Mm. And as the abuse started happening, I got pregnant right away. And I thought, I don't deserve this. God, what? why are you giving me another pregnancy? I don't deserve this. This is, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't deserve this. Thank you, but I don't deserve it. So I got scared. Oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? So all the fear then started happening. Yeah. And he got abusive because I discovered that he had a drug issue. I was saying, you know, you, you can't do this. And like I said... The abuse started happening, but instead of me leaving it right away, I looked up at, I looked up to the sky. I raised my arms up and I said, I accept my punishment, oh Lord. Mm-hmm. I started looking at marriage to this abusive man as my punishment mm-hmm. from God himself. Wow. And we all know that is not God. That's not God. Yeah. That's not God. Because marriage is so much more. Yes. But I didn't know that at that point mm-hmm. in time. Because again, seeing what I saw when I was young. My mom and dad would fight like crazy and throw things. I mean, they both gave it to each other. So I saw that abuse that seemed mm-hmm. normal. I went through this, the abortion, then going to this person, and mm-hmm. he's abusive. And I'm just yeah. thinking, this is my lot in life. This is what I deserve. Can I ask you, uh, how much had you been exposed to God when you were growing up to, and up to this point? Oh. I mean, for you to know... For you to feel like you had committed the unpardonable sin, uh, something tells me that you had to have been exposed to some information or some level of relationship with God, maybe? I went to church. We were sent to church. We, well, we were sent to Sunday school every single week. Okay. So every single when week. You were kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we had to memorize the Bible verses. We had to do all the homework that they assigned, which yeah. that's just, you know, they didn't assign it for you to finish it, but mm-hmm. we sure did. And uh, <laughs> Busy work. <laughs> busy work. But we sure did. We brought it in. We did the homework and we know the Bible verses. And, um, and there's and there's uh, something to be said about that, because regardless of how we get the word in us, it's the, getting the word in us is important. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, so maybe when mom was trying to make us perfect, she didn't realize she was doing a good thing. Hmm. You know, it yeah. wasn't just for show for other people. God used that. God mm-hmm. used that. Thank you. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. God used that. Yeah. Her saying, you're going to memorize this, so you're the best, mm-hmm. to be God's way of going, you memorize this so that you have the word in your heart that you might not sin against me, yeah. or that you know that you can find a way back to me. Yes. Wow. Man. Yes. And, <laughs> and, Revelation. Ding, goes the light. 
We hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Rims of Mugs, made possible by Iconic Sparkle. Get fun and fashionable accessories such as necklaces, earrings, and bracelets that can go with any outfit for any occasion for just $5. Owner Mandy Heinz desires to change the world through her accessories and what it allows her to offer. Fashion accessory advice, boosting confidence, and training those who want to start their own business. Learn more at IconicSparkle.com or on their app. So you're here now. You're yes. back in the States uh, and you're in a, an abusive marriage mm-hmm. and you're expecting. And I'm expecting. And then I did have the child. And I remember this is when things started going to the positive route because I was holding my son. I was thanking God for him. I said, thank you, God. I don't deserve this. Thank you. I heard God like he was sitting right beside me. And he said, do you love that little boy? Well, I got smarter, Alecky. I said, well, duh, I just got done thanking you for him. What do you think? I mean, that's how I said it. (laughs) And God was like, if you thought it would save his life, would you die for him? In a heartbeat, yes. Then it came down. Then what do you think I did for you? And I put the child down into his little bassinet. I got on my knees that day. And I said, forgive me, please, because I never knew you. Never knew you. I knew... I knew you one way, but not emotionally because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't open it up emotionally. I had all the head knowledge there was. I could debate, even while I was rebelling against God, I could debate atheists, no problem. That was great. And they would say, well, gee, you you don't act like you serve God. I said, I'm mad at God right now. It doesn't mean I don't know that he exists, but I'm mad at him. Yeah, but I could debate with atheists, give out logical reasoning why there was a God and why there was a creator. But it had to make that, how many inches? 18 inches? Yes, from and the head to the heart. It had to make that connection. It's a long trip. It's a long trip. Mm-hmm. It can be a very long trip. Yeah. My ex didn't like the new me. <laughs> he was throwing my Bible across the floor and he abuse got worse. The good thing was he never actually hit me. He had me lifted up off my feet. He had his hand ready to strike me. He did have a certain weapon pointed at me. But the verbal abuse was amazing and not in a good way. But the thing was, God was still in the midst of all of that. And I talked to my old pastor, the one where I went to church. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, because I, we had gone to a, another person, he said, wives, obey your husband and the Lord for this is right. Slam the book. And he looked and he said, you, therefore, go and do likewise. And I thought, okay, I guess I'm just stuck in this. Mm-hmm. And my pastor, Lutheran pastor, he said, Becky, do you still have your Bible from when we gave it to you at your catechism? I said, yeah, that's what I've been reading. He goes, good, go get it now. Opened up the book where it says, wives, obey your husband for this is right, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And I said, yeah, I know. I already heard that. He goes, read further. I read further. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He said, now my question to you is this. What did Christ do for the church? I said, he died for it. He said, good, you still remember your catechism. Mm -hmm. I needed that. He said, so my question to you is this. Would your husband die for you or would he rather see you dead? And I knew the answer and I had to leave because he told me he was going to make me unrecognizable to my friends and family. Mm. And he said when he was coming back, he was going to make me unrecognizable to my friends and family. And I called my minister, my old Lutheran minister in the middle of that. And he directed me, he says, you have to go. And I really had in my head we were going to stay together, but that didn't happen. 
and that's okay. I ended up five years later meeting and marrying my husband, Tim, a pastor. And I'm like going, <laughs> and I really, I begged God. I said, please, God, no, don't do this to him. He doesn't mm-hmm. need me because my forgiveness of myself, I knew God forgave me, but I didn't know Jesus forgave me yet. Mm. Uh, because I couldn't, for, I, mean, I knew Jesus forgave me, but I couldn't had, forgive me. Right. Okay. I could forgive everybody else, everything else except for me. Mm-hmm. And I beg God, oh, yeah, just give him somebody who's nicer for him than me. I mean, don't. And I didn't tell him. I told no one I had the abortion. No one. And one day he says to me, Becky, I need to talk to you. Come here, sit with me, honey. Okay. And we had already got married. I didn't tell him. He said, God told me something about you. And I went, <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, what? What? He said, you had an abortion. Oh, I started crying. Mm-hmm. So heavy and he says stop calm down this is what god is going to tell you and you need to listen god's not going to leave you and he's not going to forsake you and neither am i my shoes are right here right beside you and i'm not going to leave you Mm. and that blew me away yeah blew me totally away (laughs) because i didn't know that somebody could love me to that measure unconditionally I never had that. I was loved if I brought home the A's, but I wasn't loved if I brought home a B. That unconditional love that I didn't have to be 100% perfect. It was okay because he loved me me just because I was there. Mm. After we moved down here, I wanted to do stuff. And I said, oh, we got to do something for the pregnancy care center. We got to do something. And that's what happens a lot of times. Some people who have gone through what I've gone through, they, oh, yeah. I've got to give to this. I've got to do this. There's a connection. Sure. Yeah. A heart connection. Exactly. And uh, so I talked to Teresa and she said, so may I ask you a question? She says, I've been talking to you now. And she asked me, she goes, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to do this with you. Have you had an abortion? Oh, I started crying because I didn't tell anybody. Mm. I didn't tell. My husband was the one that guessed it. And she said, Will you come to a program for me? It was hard. Oh, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was called Forgiven and Set Free. And you had to do the work. And you had to have somebody who was like that you could just shout out, I can't stand this anymore. You know, they, they said, pick somebody, not mm-hmm. your husband, but pick somebody else. And so I picked somebody from our church that I trusted. Mm-hmm. And going there, I'd, I'd start playing Flood by, by Jars of Clay. Sure. I think it was right before 88.7, the bridge was going on. So I was just playing my CDs of what I needed to have. <laughs> Later on, a few years later, she said, would you like to participate in Rachel's Vineyard? That took even more peels of the onion away to really get to the gist of it. What was the seed? It was my rejection issues. Mm -hmm. It was like I got rejected in so many ways by so many people, but Jesus was never going to reject me. He was always there for me. He was the one that was there when I was going to leap from the bridge who said, you are not a piece of garbage. Mm -hmm. He was the one that was there with me that whole time. He was there when I was sinning. He wasn't happy with it, but it wasn't that he was going to leave me nor forsake me. And to come to that realization that, you know, and, and I was in that prison by myself Some guys in robes said it was okay what I did, but it was no different than me hiring somebody to kill a member of my family. That's what it's like to me. But some guys in some robes and some other people over in another country said, it's okay if you do it. It's okay if you have an abortion. It's okay if you pay somebody to murder a member of your family. You know, 
Jesus was there that whole time with me, forgiving me, loving me through it. Then he gave me a godly example through my husband. Mm -hmm. Showed me that marriage. Exactly. Showed me marriage wasn't a punishment. Showed me that it was an example of him with us, the bride of Christ. And it has been one revelation after another, after another of knowing, wait a minute, Psalm 139 says that I am created wonderfully and beautifully for his purpose, for his works. And it's amazing what he can do to take a little girl who felt like she was nothing in a big cosmic accident to hear him say, oh, no, honey, I knew you before you were born, while you were forming in secret, before your mother or father knew you existed, I chose you to exist and be part of this planet to just glorify Mm -hmm. and be a part of this world. That's all you're left with is like, how great thou art. Mm -hmm. That's all you can just get on your knees and just say, thank you Mm -hmm. for giving me that one more day when I didn't think I deserved it. What a testimony. I'm thinking about so many different things of what you've shared. When you received the gift from God that you were saved and that you were free, it still took time to reveal those layers and in layers because those didn't just happen overnight. Exactly. They didn't just happen in that abortion clinic. You had carried stuff all your life from a very young age. I was just struck by something that you said about rejection. You could reject yourself and trying to get past that. Yes. Getting that settled. I mean, we can receive from so many people and receiving it for ourselves and giving ourselves grace is just a very, very difficult journey sometimes. Sometimes instead of looking in the mirror and go, oh, my brother, what in the world? Yeah. You go, thank you, God. Yeah. Thank you. You know, you have created me for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Some days are good. Some days are bad. But God's still God in the midst of it all. Yes. Just to either walk with you closer than a brother or just carry you through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, he's there. He was there when I was sinning. He was there when I got saved. And he's been here through the journey of finally coming to a point of saying, all right, God loves me all however much weight I am. I'm, I'm not revealing that. I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he like, whether I have, you know, whether I have bushy eyebrows, I don't know if I do or not, you know, that's okay. Yeah. Because he made me wonderfully yes. and beautifully yeah. to do his work. You are loved. And I'm loved. And that's the yeah. amazing thing is mm-hmm. that when I don't even love myself, when I couldn't love myself, He still did. And so your message to the woman who's listening to this podcast and can relate to you in any part of your story and is feeling lost and unloved, what would you say? Come home. The journey to God is just turning around, reaching your arms out, just stepping to him because he even says in the word, if you draw closer to me, I'll draw closer to you. He loves you. Amen. Oh, he loves you with that endless love that has no bounds. Just run into his arms because they're the best place you could ever be. He created you for a purpose. You might not know what it is right now, but he knows. 
So the closer you get to him, the closer you'll get to that because your will be done. So the most, the more that you keep saying your will be done, Mm -hmm. your will be done. Let me do your works, Lord. Train me up. Teach me in your ways. Give me your Holy Spirit to speak to my heart. Some people get it right off the bat. It's like as soon as they're saved, boom. But other people, they have the onions that they just have to peel Mm -hmm. away this section and that section. You go, ooh, I thought this was already healed. And you realize, "Mm, okay, Father, let's work on this some more. I'm ready. I'm ready because you just revealed this to me. Help me. Show me where I need to change up. Show me what I've done wrong in this. Help me to be who you want me to be. Mm-hmm. It's a walk. It's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Some people are crockpots. I'm a crockpot. Yeah. I know other people who are crockpots. That you have to warm up. You Is have that what to, you're saying? All the ingredients are put in. You have to put the lid on and just let it. Let God cook yeah. you yeah. until you're ready to just be served up. I guess we're all crockpots in a way because... We are. You know, because we've got all that we need. We just have to place ourselves in God's hands. And just cover it with a little prayer and just let him do his work. And that's the thing is, is so many times we want to be in a rush and go, well, I thought I was healed of this. I'm not going to trust you now, God, with him going, Mm. just wait. What about that episode when Jesus healed the man with the, with the eyesight? He he was blind Mm -hmm. and he, and first he spat and he said, okay, what do you see? And he goes, I see people walking around like trees and he had to do something else. Yeah. That's a good way of saying, look, yes, he's healing you. He's working on you. Mm -hmm. Give him that chance to work on you. Let him come back and do a little bit more. Let him help tweak you more and more. I'm not done yet. Oh, heaven (laughs) knows. I'm not done yet. I know that. If we're still here, we're not done done yet. (laughs) But that's actually encouraging because that means God's not done with us yet. Exactly. So we're all a work in progress. I appreciate so much that you would share your story. I'm just speak to the person who maybe feels like maybe it's time to share some of their story, but they're afraid. How did you feel coming out of that? Did you feel like a sudden release? You you mentioned that twice God sent people to you yeah. that you had connected with. He had already spoken and revealed that to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, was and, that scary. And so honestly, I feel like on the outside looking in that that was actually a gift for you. It was a gift. And another gift he gave me, I felt I had no right to say abortion is wrong because I had one. I went through all the suffering and everything associated. I went through the guilt. I went through everything associated with it. But I felt I had no right to say, I think it's wrong because. And they had teen challenge at the church. I'm pretty sure it was Crossroad. And God again spoke to my heart. And they were giving their testimony. Yeah. And God spoke to my heart. He said, that's fascinating, isn't it? I said, yeah, this is great. This is such wonderful. Thank you, God. That they could take their troubled situations and just have it turned around so they can give you glory. This is awesome. Mm. Thank you, God, for allowing me to see this. He said, they did a lot of things that were pretty bad, don't you think? I said, well, yeah, but you forgave them. Mm. He said, yeah, I forgave you too. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, we're going. <laughs> I <laughs> see this is a teachable moment like, all okay. of a sudden. <laughs> like, uh-oh, here we go. We're going down this road. And God said, so what's stopping you from sharing your testimony and what I did in your life, and how far you've come from where you were to now, what's stopping you? Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm afraid. And he said, I can work with that. I can work with that. Just take the step out onto the water, and we'll walk together. We can do this. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave. I'm just praying that if somebody is hurting, A, that they get help. There's help. This 800 number that I have here, 
Can I share it? Yes, please. Um, it's it's twenty four seven support. It's eight hundred seven one two four three five seven. Eight hundred seven one two four three five seven or www.optionline.org. That will connect you with any pregnancy care center in the nation. That's a nationwide number. They will connect okay. you with anybody. We'll put that information in our show notes too oh, with the podcast. But it will connect you with any pregnancy care center. They're there to help. Mm. There are wonderful post-abortive programs for post-abortive mothers and post-abortive fathers. There's a bunch of stuff where they can help you. They can help you through it. They can help you work out what, what was the seed? What was the, what was the initial thing? What was it that you were searching for that took you to that point? So if you are listening and you have questions, there are resources for you and we'll make sure that those are in the show notes. Uh, Rebecca, I want to say thank you for coming in, being brave and courageous, sharing your testimony and only God knows where he'll take this from here. But I, I know that he has something in store for you that is beautiful and beyond anything that you could think or imagine. And so I applaud you and I celebrate you today that you're taking the steps as you move forward to share your story and that other lives would be saved. We were never meant to journey alone. Whether you're having a great day or a hard one, we need each other to celebrate and to stand in the gap. Sharing our stories helps remind us that we are not alone. And when we sit with women who sit at the feet of Jesus, the conversations are different. We walk away feeling inspired, not inferior, because we know this Christian walk is a race, but not a competition. I'm your host, Denise Harper, encouraging you to catch up with a friend or make a new one and enjoy some good conversation over the rims of mugs.